Today on Podcast by the Bay, current Half Moon Bay Mayor Deborah Penrose. Two main issues right now that I'm working on, and the first one is workforce housing. Um, it's the new buzzword for people with extremely low and low income, um, including uh, everything from our baristas uh, to our uh, gardeners to our teachers, our, our policemen, fire chief, all of them. Discussing current projects and her vision of the future to come. So I would like to see uh, a combination of housing for those of extremely low and low income as well as moderately priced housing. And that here in Half Moon Bay, for instance, I I guess I'm talking about a a range anywhere from 600,000 up to maybe a million. All on today's episode of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Podcast by the Bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at HighwaySoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.Liberty-RealtyInvestments.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast, you can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. And now, another Podcast by the Bay. Okay, welcome to Podcast by the Bay. This is Andre. And this is Patrick. And welcome to another rendition of Podcast by the Bay. Thank you for downloading the show. Thank you for being with us today. We are excited. We're getting back to our Peninsula Mayor series. And we're going to feature today the town of Half Moon Bay and Mayor Deborah Penrose. And so, Patrick... You got to meet Deborah. You got to talk about the issues of the Half Moon Bay community and some of the surrounding areas. And so, can you give us a little background, Deborah, and really Half Moon Bay and really what's happening out there? Yeah, no, I had a wonderful opportunity to meet uh, Deborah at the uh, 511 Main Street. Um, and if you go down to Half Moon Bay, you're going to notice that that's the old bank and that's the bank or the city hall. Um, Deborah has been in, is is an East Coast kind of uh, gal, and I want you to, to to listen close to the interview with her. Um, I met with her again at City Hall, in the, which if, if you go down Main Street, it's Five Eleven Main. There's a bank; it's an old bank that they converted into the City Hall. Um, as you know, Half Half Moon Bay um, is is right on the coast, um, and um, it, it a population. Is is probably somewhere somewhere between ten and eleven thousand people. It's not a large town. Uh, the city manager is Magna uh, Gonzalez. Um, you've got also Deborah Ruddick on the city council. Uh, the population actually is closer to probably t- almost thirteen thousand, around twelve thousand something. Uh, the square foot or the square miles of the city of Half Moon Bay is about six point four four. So it's about half the size of Pacifica. 
you've got a really good geography around there. Um, you know, you're 10 miles from San Francisco and uh, you're close to Santa Cruz. You're close to El Granada, Princeton by the Sea, Moss Beach, Montera, uh, San Gregorio, Pescadero. Um, so you're really populated. Uh, Deborah is is a very well educated uh, person and, and she had a lot to talk about. She was very proud uh, about the workforce housing that they've done for the, the workers out there that live in Half Moon Bay. Uh, as you know, uh, many years ago, they built um, some homes on West Side location, and these were primarily designed for people that worked in the fields, growers. Um, she's an adamant uh, person that wants to see more housing for workforce. Um, again, Half Moon Bay also is right off 92, Highway 92. So they, they suffer some of the same issues that we have with traffic. As you know, 92 gets backed uh, going east and west on 92 half the time. Uh, Deborah was willing to talk that uh, they, their businesses uh, are not as thriving as they would like. I think the business has picked up quite a bit in Half Moon Bay. As we've seen, a lot of people have come in, restored the stores down there. They've got your old-fashioned coffee shops still down there. They've got your your uh, <clears throat> museum, so to speak, meaning uh, collector art. Uh, <clears throat> it's definitely a delightful place. You also have that market that's there that's been there for a long time. Uh, <clears throat> so Half Moon Bay, she indicated that they are working, that they have a lot of senior housing. Um, again, they don't have enough senior housing, but they have some. Um, the way that they do their housing project, um, they, they work on them project by project. There's not a lot of new development in Half Moon Bay. Um, as you know, they're very much into the environment down there and protecting of the coast. So it is a little bit more challenging to build housing out there. Um, it's a great tourist area for fishing. Um, they've got some, the Half Moon Bay also off the coast has a nice Italian restaurant. You've got a lot of nice things out there. So Half Moon Bay is the place to be. Uh, it was an honor to interview Deborah Penrose. I hope you enjoy. Um, uh, Half Moon Bay was incorporated in 1959. And again, uh, the population in the city of approximately Half Moon Bay is almost 13,000. Yes, and, and I, I'm going to echo, echo you on pretty much everything you mentioned about Half Moon Bay. I mean, one, it's the small town feel. Uh, you know, there's there's just all the great uh, restaurants and things, um, you know, going up to Princeton. Um, I used to play at the Half Moon Bay Brewing Company with my old band, and I still, my friend Stan Earnhardt still has his uh, Sunday jam uh, down there in Half Moon Bay. Uh, and uh, so there's just so many, it's such a really cool mixture between the ocean, the coast, the restaurants, the beauty um, and then the old town feel in the downtown Half and Bay, you know the the little the, the main street right there, and and uh, and, and Andre, we don't want to forget, we don't want to forget the pumpkin festival and the artichokes and the Christmas trees and all the the, the wild things. It, it's a good feeling when you go down. I know the, the people that live in Half Moon Bay go out of town when the pumpkin festival <laughs> happens, but Half Moon Bay is where it's happening. Uh, the fish, uh, the restaurants down there on on the. Uh, on the main boulevard on Main Street or just out of this world. The, the thing that we also have to realize, too, they've done an extremely good job with senior housing. They work with the Salt uh, uh, Company. The Leslie Salt Foundation had um, probably about 20 years ago had built some senior housing down there off, off Main and Arnold Street. 
um, they, they've done a great job. I mean, they've done a great job. They really respect their seniors and they really expect their workers. So you brought up a, a couple points and you brought up traffic and traffic has always been kind of an issue on the, the 92, right? I mean, anytime you're trying to get into half and bay on a weekend, forget it, right? It's going to be an hour, you know, hour and 20 minutes coming from the, from 92 in San Mateo. And I think, you know, while that is an issue, I mean, it's kind of a frustrating thing. Um, you know, it might be the perspective that, you know, Half Moon Bay wants to stay small, right? They they don't really want to expand. I mean, you don't see a lot of new projects and a lot of new growth. And maybe that is for a reason and maybe because they want to stay that small town feel. And so, you know, maybe that's their perspective and more power to them. Um, but so, you know, if you want to get down there, you're going to have to sit in the traffic. And that's kind of part of the reality of what um, is the experience. And so I don't know if there is a plan to really kind of help look at the traffic. And I don't know if it's ever going to be able to be uh, adjusted with the, with the two lane highway um, because uh, it's, you know, you're going through some country roads and stuff. So um, the other issue is, you know, in half Moon Bay, um, there's this big issue right now. And it's all over the news. It's been in the news for about five years and it's the issue of Martin's beach. And so anybody who, has lived on the coast or has been, you know, has lived on a peninsula and, and, and has kind of driven down the coast about, you know, maybe seven, six, seven years ago, you used to be able to go down to the beach in Martin's Beach. And it's maybe, you know, a couple miles south of Half Moon Bay. And um, I think uh, from what the story is, a Silicon Valley uh, venture capitalist, uh, you know, bought bought the beach, you know, privately for millions of dollars and basically shut it off to the public. And I guess the issue is there's a big uh you know a court court debate and court battle to really should the public have access now if you ever been down to martin's beach there used to be or there still is there's probably like 30 homes down there actually on the beach now i don't know if there's any occupants still living in there because i think they were all evicted and they were all pushed out but you could park there and you could actually walk down about a mile to get to the beach so there was that but from what I understand, that case is still happening right now, and it's going all the way to the Supreme Court, and it's just been a back-and-forth battle. And so on the coast, you know, should, you know, private, um, you know, should there be private beaches? Should, should that be something? I mean, I, I think that's something with California where you have beaches should have public access. So how is this even happening, you know, in today's uh, world? How is that even possible? Well, it's my yeah, Andre, it's my understanding that the, the judge has ruled in the San Mateo County Superior Court against the billionaire. Um, and we, we might note that uh, Senator Hill was very adamant about uh, making sure that that coast is preserved and that it's open to the public. Um, I think they're having still some problems of enforceability with the billionaire. And it might be on appeal, Andre. You might be right on that. But the court had actually ruled against the billionaire. Uh, and that was Judge Barbara Mollick ruled in favor of the Surfer Foundation. Uh, and that was against uh, the, the owner, which was Vindu Kosala's failure to obtain a coastal permit before he closed off the access to the road. So um, I think the court has made that decision. The question is enforceability. Um, and I, I'm not sure where that's going. But, yeah, I think you're right, Andre. We have to stay tuned and find out what happens. Sounds good. So with that... Without further ado, we're going to go ahead and get to the exclusive interview with the current mayor of Half Moon Bay, Deborah Pengrove. And if you have any questions, if you have any feedback, please reach out to us at Half Moon Bay or Podcast by the Bay at gmail.com. 
You could reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash podcast by the bay. So with that, we're going to go ahead and get to the interview. And if you have any questions, please send it to us. Okay. And uh, with that, this is Andre. And this is Patrick. And we'll catch you on the next time of Podcast by the Bay. Stay tuned. Welcome to Podcast by the Bay. I'm in Half Moon Bay, and I have the honor of interviewing Deborah Penrose. She is the mayor of Half Moon Bay. Welcome to Podcast by the Bay, Deborah. Uh, could you give us a little background about yourself, where you originally are from, and uh, how did you get into politics? Yes, I'd be happy to. I was born and raised in um, Delaware County in Pennsylvania, just outside of Philadelphia, and uh, grew up there. Went to art school there and graduated with a degree in illustration, then went on to become a fashion illustrator. Got married after that, had two children, got bored with being at home, and went back to the University of Pennsylvania and did some pre-med courses, and um, ended up with a, a degree in medicine and began practicing here in California. My husband at the time got a transfer for his job out here to uh, California. So moved here in 1980 and uh, practiced in Concord and Walnut Creek and then moved to Half Moon Bay in 1990 and uh, set up practice on Main Street year after that and practiced until 2012 when I retired, um, practiced general medicine, general practice. And some folks came to me um, in 2014 after I'd been retired for two years and asked me would I please run for city council. I said I didn't know anything about politics. I just voted in national elections, but they were desperate. They needed somebody that they thought would be progressive and uh, since I feel I'm progressive, I ran and was top vote getter. I think mostly because everybody knew me from practicing how, medicine. How long have you been on that council? This is my fourth year. Fourth year. Well, congratulations on becoming mayor. And can you uh, tell the audience how, how how is the mayor picked in your council? We do it with rotation. So it, it goes through each council member gets a turn at it. Well, congratulations. I wish it was true on the peninsula. It doesn't always work that way. Um, <clears throat> I was just informed in, uh, as I know, San Bruno elects their mayor. And um, for some reason, um, the uh, mayor in Brisbane knew why that was. So if you listen to my podcast, you're going to hear the mayor in uh, Brisbane tell you how it came about that San Bruno actually elects their mayor. I actually like the idea. Okay. I think it's a good idea. I think um, an elected mayor can stay in office longer, for one thing. And um, it's such a full-time job that if you elect a mayor, maybe you can pay him something. And um, that that would be good for the mayor. Um, but I think that um, one of the difficulties with being on council for just four years is you start a project in year one, and it may not be completed until after you've left office. I've decided to run again in November only because I'm working on several projects which are very important to me and I want to see through to completion. Well, congratulations on that. One of the buzzwords that's going around is, is, is public service. What does public service mean to you um, as a citizen and as a person representing the uh, city on the council? 
Well, as a citizen, uh, public service is being able to rely on the people that uh, who, who are in positions of power, um, electing them in the first place um, so that they have some responsibility to me. And as a person in public service, it is just that. It's responding to the needs of the community. Well, you know, you mentioned a, a very uh, important word. You said you were progressive. Can you explain to uh, the audience out there what projects uh, that you're passionate about that you're progressive about? Uh, well, I there are um, really two main issues right now that I'm working on, and the first one is workforce housing. Um, it's the new buzzword for people with extremely low and low income, um, including uh, everything from our baristas uh, to our uh, gardeners to our teachers, our, our policemen, fire chief, all of them, um, and also the homeless population, which is such a tremendous problem in the United States and especially here in California. Well, I'm excited that you brought that buzzword up because the first time I heard uh, workforce housing, uh, Foster City has a project called the Saris Regis Project, which was designed for, to begin with, commercial and retail. Uh, the developer is working closely with the city in some type of partnership. Everything is not completely done right now. Where they're going to develop workforce housing of so many of the units and plus bringing fair market rent on there. Now, for the audience, we need to distinguish. Workforce housing is different than affordable housing. Affordable housing is a house that any person can afford. It is has no meaning. Mm-hmm. It, it's the old buzzword, the one we used to use when we meant housing for those of extremely low and low income. But currently, moderately homed prices are not available Um the only thing that's available are what we call market rate, which my buzzword for that is McMansions, which most of us cannot afford, and uh, certainly our workforce cannot afford. So I would like to see uh, a combination of housing for those of extremely low and low income, as well as moderately priced housing. And that here in Half Moon Bay, for instance, I, I guess I'm talking about a, a range anywhere from 600000 up to maybe a million. Um, and uh, above that would be what we call currently market rate housing, which is most of what's available. Now, I'm intrigued with your definition of uh, workforce housing. Uh, is that something you and the council have established when you're looking at, I think you've, you have a couple of community development projects that you're working on right on Main Street, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that are going to dovetail into that workforce housing. So uh, from what you tell me, that definition, that's exciting. Um, is, is that something that the council has already agreed on and you're going to move forward in that direction with teachers, baristos, um, bankers. Is that what you're kind of working towards? Yeah, that's that's it. We've got a project that I'm working on right now with 80 units of what uh, for the extremely low and low income folks and then 40 lots for market rate and these will be the McMansions. Um, the we bought uh, we're buying the property through Midpen Housing, which is a nonprofit organization, and um, we've got a developer lined up. Uh, I haven't signed the paper, so I can't use the name yet. But um, the idea is that, that the market rate housing or the higher, higher cost ha- housing will help to pay for the affordable housing that we want to put in with 
community gardens and um, a big open green space. Uh, we're going to be doing a, a lot of uh, green things with it. We'll be using swales to collect our water in a runoff, creating a retention pond, hopefully getting into recycling a little bit, at least for gray water. Um, but one of the things that I'm intent on doing is getting at least 90% of those um, lower income folks uh, restricted to people that either live or work in Half Moon Bay. Now, the property that we're talking about, um, is this property that the city of Half Moon Bay owns? No, it's privately owned property. Privately owned. Okay, well, I'm, I'm to say the word progressive, you are progressive because the buzzwords that we're hearing with the workforce housing doesn't necessarily encumbrance all the, the different workers that you're talking about. Um, I know uh, Half Moon Bay is very uh, proud of their uh, workers or their farm workers project that they did a number of years ago down there and it was a success. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, that's actually a county project, the Moon Ridge project you're talking about. Right. And that was established for uh, the farmers and the fishermen who live in the area and work in the area. And uh, a, it's a great project. It's a beautiful development. And most of the people that um, live and work there work either in Half Moon Bay or they work in the county. Um, so what we're trying to do is, is try to um, mitigate the traffic problem that we've got here and everybody has here in the Bay Area um, by keeping people out of their cars, having them walk to school, having them walk to work, or bicycle. And uh, we're right now updating our um, local coastal plan and our general plan, and we've got a bike and pedestrian plan as part of that. And that plan is to try to get people on bicycles or on foot easily throughout downtown Half Moon Bay. Excellent. How many units are that, that project that we just talked about? How many units are there? 80 for extremely low and low income and 40 for the what we're calling market rate of the more expensive homes. Well, it sounds like you've got a pretty good relationship with the county and mid-pen to make sure that these things happen. Is that is that what's yes. working well? Yes, they've been, okay. they've been just very good in working with us and very, very helpful, very innovative well, MidPen opened an office in Foster City in one of our new developments, so I'm excited because I have met a few of the people that are living in some of those MidPen apartments, and they're very excited to do that. And uh, you know, they they they're just happy to be living on the peninsula. So, yeah. What um, you talked about some of these other projects, and yet, of course, you can't. How many other units um, are are on the drawing board right now? To uh, what we would say market rate and below market rate. How many, how many more units? Currently, that's it. That's it, okay. That's it. One of the other things that we've done is uh, we've started a program with um, trying to encourage people to get into the ADU or accessory dwelling unit, the granny granny unit. Um, and um, we're, we're compiling a list of private homeowners who might be interested in doing that and trying to make it easy. We've reduced fees for them and reduced the amount of time it takes to get permits to develop ADUs. Um, so that's another way to provide rental apartments. One of the issues we have right now is that 
we don't have reduced fees, reduced priority water connections, that kind of thing for people that just want to build apartments. And that's another thing that I want to change because I think any apartment is better than a home in terms of the need that we've got here for housing people. Can you talk about that a little bit for the uh, the people out there? The water permit or being able to get that water permit is takes some time. Um, I know in El Granada and Moss Beach and uh, Princeton are a little bit different time. What's the timing to be able to to get one of those water permits now? The per, uh, the permit process has no time barrier right now. The per- permits are available. The priority permits are also available, but they're restricted and they're restricted to visitor serving or agricultural use. They are not restricted for affordable housing or so-called affordable housing. Mm. So um, one of the things we've been trying to change and we are changing in our local coastal plan is to change that priority status for um, lower income and extremely low income housing. Okay, not holding you to it. What is the approximate population of Half Moon Bay? It's almost 12,000. Almost 12,000. 11,000 something. And and out of that population, what do you think is the percentage of people that probably need some help with the the housing because of the housing boom? Oh, I I would be guessing, really guessing. But if I said, if I said, if you include children, I'd have to say 30%. Wow. Wow. It, it, it is huge. There are people that have lived here for 30, 60, 100 years, and their children can't afford to live here. They're, we have for rent, uh, excuse me, for um, job wanted signs in many of our retail establishments, our restaurants can't hold on to people. Our teachers change year after year because they can't afford to live here. Well, this brings a, another interesting point. Um, I, I know you're familiar with the College of San Mateo and how they, they built the housing for the professors on the campus, uh, and as well as Kenyatta College, and as well as um, uh, some of the other places on the coast, too. So what, what can the coast do? Um, we don't have a, a college out here. Is there any campus housing available on some school property or some older school property? We've been unable to get the schools interested in doing that. There is there is some objection on the part of teachers to wanting to be I guess I guess a term for it would be ghettoized. They don't necessarily want to all live in the same apartment complex or housing complex. Um, they want to live like anybody else does with a diversity in their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some resistance on the part of teachers, but the school district here doesn't have the money or the funds to build it. And, um, I I don't know what's, what's going to happen with that. I don't think anything will happen too soon. Well, in, in San Bruno, uh, it was in the paper recently that they're going to close two elementary schools, uh, because of financial uh, things and that property may go on the market. So it would be nice if we, if somehow the partnership, I know I had spoken 
with a supervisor, and I won't mention the supervisor's name, where I saw a piece of property um, that is not in Half Moon Bay, but was in Daly City. It was the old medical uh, medical building for Seton Hospital. The owner of it, which is not the uh, <coughs> Daughters of Charity, it was up for sale, and I thought it would have been an ideal situation close to the shopping center, close to the schools, that somehow the county would participate and develop that into some kind of workforce housing um, situation. You're a pretty progressive thinker. What do you think about that? I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great idea. I think the, um, you know, when you talk about medical things, the thing that comes to my mind is how we need some sort of an urgent care here on the coast. We have a, 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 a branch of the Seton Hospital in um, Moss Beach, Seton Coastside. Right. And that's an emergency room and a um, nursing home. The uh, problem is the emergency room doc is not there 24-7. He's on call. And he is inundated with people that should be going to urgent care clinics. And that are it's just a very expensive way to go to the doctor for everybody, for the hospital, for the patients. It's not a decent approach. So I'd love to see us develop an urgent care clinic here. Wow. Yeah, way overdue. Way overdue. Um, you know, we touched upon it, or you started to touch upon it, and let's go back and talk about transportation. Um, obviously, 92 gets busy quite a bit from people commuting back and forth. Um, in the um, east and west situation, what can we do to improve transportation on the peninsula? Get people out of their cars. Excellent. I think, I think that's well said. How do we do that? You provide them housing near public transportation. That does not apply on the coast. We can't get enough public transportation here on the coast to make any kind of a dent. We have we don't even have a bus that goes to the BART. Wow. We have a, we have a bus that takes you to um, Pacifica, and then you can mm-hmm. transfer to another bus, which will take you to the BART. And believe me, that's very tedious. The timing mm-hmm. is very poor between the buses. I've done it myself, and I won't do it again. I drive now to the BART station, mm-hmm. and that clogs up Highway 1. Well, I think you bring up a real important point. Um, the uh, most recent article that came out is that uh, that the uh, bus system, Sam Tram's ridership is down, not up, down. Um, again, we're also looking at a, at a vastly couple new generations that are in here, and they're either driving their single car or they're on a Google bus or a Genentech bus or a bus. Are you working with community.org, the commuter.org, uh, with the county? Yeah, we we have worked with them. We have a representative from our council that goes to the meetings, but the county is not particularly interested in the transportation problem here on the coast. They they have their own problem. The Highway 101 corridor is just a mess, and I can understand that. Uh, we need we have a unique situation here. We are isolated. We don't have enough people to excite Sam Trans into doing anything. We've talked to Google and tried to get them to bring a bus over the hill. We've, you know, we've, um, we have a, a group up in um, the mid-coast section, which is uh, Montero, Moss Beach, and El Granada, uh, which is called Connect the Coast Side, which has mm-hmm. been doing a lot of work on trying to figure out how to help that part of the coast out. And they've shared that information with us, and we've, we've taken that. But 
the the bottom line is public transportation has got to be the answer and it's got to have more money than it has it's not it's not sustainable the way it works right now well that's one of my passions too and and as we all realize the caltrain the bart or whatever transit system are all fighting for the same federal and state tax dollar one of the unique things here on the on the uh, in the bay area especially san mateo county is we don't have a transit district the closest thing we have is a clipper card um, and we have a lot of meetings uh, with different people saying, well, we're going to improve 92, we're going to improve 101. What's your thought process about it, doing it, getting a transit district together so we all have an interest and a stake in this transportation crisis that we're suffering? I, I think it's a good idea. I don't know that it particularly would help the coast. Again, I think we are an outlier. We don't have the population to... Um, to demand the services that we need here. Um, they're going to be looking at Redwood City, at San Mateo, at San Bruno, at a lot of other towns before they look at the coast here. Well, I think the buzzwords, and I live on the east side of 92, and you're the west side. So I think I'm hearing the buzzwords, the people like the people in Foster City, as well as Half Moon Bay, or people on the coast, are anxious to see something done. So I think our voices need to get out there. I agree. You know, I think I think that's real critical that our voices are heard. We need to do something about that transportation. Um, going back to the housing situation, um, and I, I'm excited about the workforce housing. I'm excited about that you're, you're covering all backgrounds. Um, a while back, most cities were doing first-time homebuyer programs um, where some of it was subsidized uh, by the city, some by the county. Are you doing any first-time homebuyer programs? No, we have nothing like that. Okay. We have nothing like that. We've got that gap, um, that huge gap, where first-time first homebuyers are looking for something under a million dollars or close to a million dollars, and we don't have homes here that go for that. Our homes go for 1.5 and up. Uh, we just put in 63 new homes uh, in a project called the Pacific Ridge project, and the price of the homes there are 1.5 and up. We're all experiencing that in the Bay Area right yeah. now. There's just no housing. A good majority of the people in the biotech um, and the computer are actually renting apartments, uh, high-end apartments. So we're building quite a few high-end apartments that may be able to be converted into condos, but a good majority of those people are pretty much, they're going to stay there from a year and a half to maybe five years and then move up the ladder into uh, another area. Um, do you think that the continuing build-out of the apartments uh, that we're doing on the peninsula is smart growth? I think it's very smart. We're looking at our downtown right now and at um, a couple of our shopping centers to see if we can go up a story and put apartments on the second floor of some of those buildings. Um, currently, the downtown, the second floor, is usually used by off, uh, for office space. But I'd love to see it converted to apartment use, and I'd love to see our shopping centers double in, double in height and get housing above. Excellent. I think that's the buzzword we're, we're talking about on El Camino. A lot of the landowners, uh, some of the landowners from downtown Half Moon Bay and... Uh, probably other parts of Half Moon Bay 
probably want to hold on to their real estate type because of the capital gain situation. They're not necessarily wanting to sell unless they can exchange it for something else. I talked to um, a, a mayor in uh, San Mateo, um, Rick, and I brought up a suggested idea that maybe the state ought to look at giving some kind of tax relief to some of these property owners if they build housing like we were just talking about. Is that something that you think could work? Oh, I do. Yeah. Definitely. Anything that builds um, moderate moderate priced housing, whether it's apartments or single family residence, is is what I'm looking to see. Okay, we don't have a crystal ball, but uh, what do you think of this dynamic economy? It's been pretty dynamic for probably the last four or five years here. What do you think? I mean, do you think we're going to continue to see this growth? I don't have a clue. You don't have a clue. Not a clue. You're just riding riding the stallion. You got it. Yeah. Well, is there anything that's really uh, um, bothering you right now on the... with the surrounding cities that you're working with? And how would you like to reach out to surrounding cities to work closer together on certain community projects? What, what What's behind your, besides transportation and housing? You know, I don't really have a good answer for that. I don't, I, I think we already work together a lot. Um, we have the League of California Cities and I attend their meetings and dinners and we share information. I work with a group called Home for All that um, Warren Slocum and Don Horsley started, um, which we actually have a grant from them for our project, which is a group of people that will come in to your city and take on the project and try to explain to neighborhoods and neighbors why it's important that we build this lower income home housing. So, uh, and they're a county organization. They've been very helpful. Well, you know, it's interesting you use the word, and, and, it's, and you, you, we talked about workforce housing. We talked um, below market. A lot of times the, the public, for some reason, when you say low income, they automatically think Section 8, or they think government housing, or they, they don't think it's appropriate housing. So how are you going to be able to... Um, get it through with the people that what you're really trying to achieve is workforce housing and also housing that is for people that are not as fortunate to make such a good income. Is, is that the, what you're trying to accomplish? Yes, it is. And I, I think that um, we, have, we already have on Main Street uh, a wonderful complex called Main Street Park. I think there are... Mm-hmm. 60 units in it, and they're, uh, they were built by Midpen. And uh, Midpen did a great job of making beautiful little homes with gardens, just darling little places. And I think that um, it's not hard to be, to make an attractive housing project anymore. That's not difficult. The difficulty is in mitigating um, the issues that people have with traffic. They see any time you build any traffic, um, any 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 homes at all, you're increasing traffic. So we're trying to work with that. The um, there's a group in Moss Beach um, and um, Montara called Resist Density that is very actively against any growth at all. We're starting to hear that word uh, across the peninsula. 
One of my passions is environmental impact reports. And it appears that most of the cities are using similar environmental impact reports in which they build in a ratio of how many people would be living in a one-bedroom, one-bath apartment. That ratio, I think, is extremely low, extremely low, because it's my experience on the peninsula that there's much more density of families living together uh, in that. What that impacts is our police and fire, um, and that also affects your budget, because sometimes 50% to maybe 70% of your general operating expense is police and fire. How can we improve those environmental impact reports? Because there seems to be the buzzword, the people that live over here don't want to see any more housing. Um, and you're in a unique situation that you have a lot of open space. So how yes. do we balance the two? Yeah, I, d- I don't think it's difficult at all. I think we do it by um, taking the approach that our city did, which is build in the downtown. Don't try to build in the outskirts of town. Build right downtown. Uh, keep it dense where it can be dense, uh, where where services are available to people. And and so with our local coastal plan update, we're doing that. We've made that a priority. That's where our density is going to go. Okay, I'm going to share with you, if you, if you don't already know, that Bay Meadows uh, has a project, and one of the part of that project out there in Bay Meadows, they put it in the CCNRs uh, that they had to have a shared car. Uh, they didn't necessarily have a designated parking space, but they needed to do a shared vehicle. That may be a pie in the sky to enforce, but do you think more developments, if they really were working towards using public transportation, we should be a little bit stronger in our CCNRs and approving of these plans with some idea of public transportation? I think it's great to, you know, I think any idea like that is a good idea. I don't know how well it flies. Um, As I said before, our public transportation here is minimal and almost almost not existent. Well, I hope you can I continue the fight with with working for pub, with getting more public transportation. I would love you to engage with the city of Foster City because we're just the other direction of you. We we face the same thing, but we probably have just as much traffic issues because we have all of the people commuting to the East Bay. Sure. You know. Sure. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with the people on podcast by the Bay um, of your looking into the future for Half Moon Bay? Yeah, the other issue that's very hot right now is the homeless. And I've been working for about a year and a half with a group called the Homeless Collaborative, where we've been trying to come up with ideas on how to do something for the homeless. Because if we don't do it here in Half Moon Bay, and our homeless have to leave Half Moon Bay because they are currently destroying our environment as as it is right now. It's, it's kind of a mess. Um, they're going to go to some other city who has an equally bad or a worse problem with the homeless. Homelessness is an issue in, in the United States. It's an issue in California. And so I'm working very hard. We think we may have found a site and put up some temporary housing um, with services, full services available with the idea of transitioning to something more permanent either here in Half Moon Bay or elsewhere in the county, but hopefully here in Half Moon Bay. How many how many homeless people do you uh, think are approximately in Half Moon Bay? The census that we did two years ago came up with a number, or no, it was actually last year, uh, 43. 
Um, but it, the number varies. There are a lot of transients, people that come up and down the coast and stop and leave. And uh, we've got about 25 homeless individuals that we know very well that we think we might be able to work with to do something. So if we can get 25 units of temporary housing um, and then and then hopefully more permanent housing after that, one of the things that I'd like to see happen and I think will happen with the project I'm working on with the workforce housing is six to nine of those units will be set aside for the homeless. Well, congratulations on that. Now, uh, the county recently did a homeless um I would say it was a homeless survey or a homeless group of volunteers that went out to try to count the number of homeless. And if I read read the, it, it really wasn't a real detailed report. And I didn't see a detailed report. And I kind of gathering that they indicated that the homeless were not up. But I think for the audience, we have to distinguish something a little bit closer. Homeless doesn't necessarily mean that they just live in the streets. They may live in their cars. They may live in their RVs. They may may actually live in a home with four or five other people. So there's all different stages of homelessness. Um, but the ones that we are all in, greatly impacted is the ones that we actually see on the street. So I think maybe that homeless population might even be bigger than we think. I think you're right. I think the, you know, the count of 43, you have people here who may be immigrants who don't want to be identified. So when the count is happening, they leave. Um, it, people people that are homeless are not proud of the fact that they're homeless. So they're not out there raising their hand and saying, count me. Um, the, the population largely is in our town is largely um, addicted to drugs or have mental illness. Um, uh, many of them have year- lived here for 20 or more years. Some of them have relatives in town. It's, um, it's a very eclectic group of people, and the county at, and our city work together in what's called the HOT team, and they do homeless outreach. Um, so of the 43 people that we have here in town, all of them ha- are well-known, and at least 25 of them have case, case um, management um, records made by this hot team so that the hot team is ready to tell them these are the services that are available and are you willing to go get them? And they, they are visited on a weekly basis. They're visited even more frequently during inclement weather to see if there's some way they can get help for them. Well, I'm going to be working with Tim McGovern and Terry McGovern. They're both retired and they were on, I think, KFRC or KYA on the homeless veterans. So we should be having an upcoming uh, podcast on that. A number of years ago, I worked with Danny Glover with homeless children in San Francisco. Well, the homeless are a very important in- part of our community and we need to take care of them. And it's great to see that the mayor of Half Moon Bay and the citizens of Half Moon Bay are, are trying to reach out to help those homeless. So whatever ideas you come up with, share them with the rest of the people because I think we need to hear that. Absolutely. Okay. On behalf of Podcast by the Bay, I want to thank you for taking your time to talk with us. It was my pleasure, Patrick.
it's been hard to try to face you right now. And there you are, barely noticing what you do to me. Thanks to John Paul Jude for that beautiful rendition of the song entitled Found Another. You can download and find out more about John Paul Jude and other artists at the HighwaySoul.com website on the Highway Soul music page. Check it out. All right. Well, today we're going to get down to the thought of the episode. And one of the things I wanted to talk about today is that I recently, over the Easter holiday, we went down to L.A., and it was a very quick, um, you know, trip. It was just a really a one-day trip. But one of the things that happens when you travel it, is it really takes you out of your kind of atmosphere, what you're used to seeing, and, and you really are able to see things from a different perspective. I think that's maybe that's one of the reasons why people recommend traveling really to, you know, see the world and really see different cultures. I think it's it's very enlightening, actually, when when – to go travel. So so one of the things is we we went down to LA and LA is known for, you know, traffic and and things like that and you know, and and the Bay Area is getting comparable, right? I mean, I don't, it's probably not as severe as uh LA is, but there's definitely uh you know, it's getting to that point with uh you know, the the, the commuting traffic. 92101, it's just you know, it's complete lockage from all the way down in, uh, you know, Palo Alto coming up north, right? It's just, a, you know, it's just a complete backup. So anyways, one of the things I noticed was two things when I got home. And I recognized these things. And there's two things. Something I saw in L.A. that I haven't seen in the Bay Area, in San Francisco, and just really in the Bay Area was... I saw young people in their 20s and 30s really living their lives. And what I mean is that these weren't like tech people. These weren't people that are really, you know, super successful. These were just normal people living their lives. These were artists. These were musicians. These were just people just going to school. And you saw just people just being themselves. There wasn't some energy where you had to reach some point and you know in order to succeed or something like you're trying to destroy yourself to to really pay your bills it seemed to be that people were able to just live their lives and be themselves and so what i mean is that they weren't just working to survive they were actually living their lives so i saw that and i recognized that wow i haven't seen that in a long time <laughs> in the bay area where you saw people just living their lives um i think people were so caught up with the the day-to-day grind, trying to survive, working the two jobs, doing the Ubers, you know, doing whatever they can to really, you know, have an income where they can live, right? They, you know, if they have a house, they're going to try to rent it out using Airbnb and stuff. So 
I think that people are trying to take advantage whatever they can. So, but I I didn't see that in LA. You know, I'm not saying that the rents aren't high and 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 they're they're, they're not similar. There's there's probably a lot of similarities. I'm not from there. I, I I don't know much, but I'm just telling you what I saw. And I saw a difference in the way the behavior of the community was. And so the second thing I saw in LA was I didn't see this overabundance and this just complete uh just out of control growth as far as development right we everywhere i went i didn't see buildings popping up like mushrooms i mean any city you can go on the peninsula pretty much in the bay area you can see building right and you can see developments and you can just see more 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 and you know it's it just doesn't seem like it's ever enough and I didn't also see the urban the urban spread, right? So the urban sprawl, which is what they call it, right? So that's where you have a metropolitan area, and then 60 miles out, you just have all this development. Now, here in the Bay Area, you have that in every direction, right? You have in every direction except going to the Farallons, right? But, you know, you have that urban sprawl everywhere, and... That creates all the traffic, right? So all the traffic we're seeing is is the result of people moving out to Stockton, moving out to Modesto. And so you have that urban sprawl that people are having to move out there because they, they can't even afford to live, right? And so anyways, I didn't see the same demand for it. And I think I'm not an expert, and but my theory is that there's already so many people in L.A. that they really are not moving further and further out because they're already there. And I didn't see, though, but one thing I did not see was the growth and development where every single space of land, they're building up some three-story apartment complex next to some power lines or, you know, right next to a freeway. I mean, you just, you just didn't see that. I just didn't see that everywhere I went. Yeah, I'm sure there's development going there, sure, but that's what I saw different. So just when you go travel next time, just take a look around and see what you notice because... You know, I saw two things. I saw people able to live their lives and not be so stressed out about making ends meet. And also I saw, you know, just people not caught up with this idea that we have to build, build, build and and grow, grow, grow like it's the only solution. And because we will talk about the growth and is that a real solution on another episode. But, you know, just that's just what I saw going down this anyways with that i hope you enjoyed the thought of the episode hope you enjoyed this episode and we appreciate all your feedback and definitely we'll catch you on the next time of podcast by the bay stay tuned thank you for listening to this episode of podcast by the bay podcast by the bay is brought to you by Highway Soul Productions. Check us out at HighwaySoul.com and in conjunction with Liberty Realty. Liberty Realty, serving the peninsula and surrounding areas since 1986 for all your real estate needs. www.Liberty-RealtyInvestments.com Remember to subscribe and download our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can contact Podcast by the Bay by their email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. 
All material is property and copyrighted by Podcast by the Bay, but does not necessarily reflect the views of Podcast by the Bay. For sponsorship opportunities, please contact us by email at podcastbythebay at gmail.com. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.